Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Mac Cameron and Josh Weinberg, two fine gentlemen who decided they were going to pledge some money to keep this show going. They went to patreon.com slash creative control and they decided they were going to pledge more than $10 each uh, a month to this show. It's very kind. I really appreciated Mac and Josh and everyone else uh, who has thus far pledged to keep this show going. Uh, we are currently at, as I speak to you now, $291 and 44 patrons. That's pretty remarkable. The goal, again, is to get to $500 a month by the end of August 2015. If we can do that, show keeps going. No problems. Can't do that. Eh, might have a problem. Might have a problem. So, you don't want a problem, do you? Let's keep the show going. If you'd like, please pledge some money to the show. Go to patreon.com slash creative control. For a limited time, because there are very few of them left, I'm uh, giving people who pledge $10 or more a month a t-shirt. Just pledge $10 or more a month. Tell me which of the two designs I currently have that you would like and what size and where you'd like it sent. And I will send you a t-shirt, a Creative Control t-shirt. They're, they're pretty snazzy. I like them. So there you go. Thanks for listening to this show, and thanks for supporting it at patreon.com. Slash Creative Control. Creative Control with Vish Khan. a fine episode for you today, but before I get to uh, this week's guest, I want to say that, A, I'm not here. I'm resting on vacation, and it's nice. If all goes well, you're hearing this episode even though I'm not here. So there's that. I need a break from everything. I'm very tired. And nothing gets you going like a vacation with two small children. That's going to... Nothing but sleep for me. That'll be fun. No, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Going to go, I'm just going to relax do some stuff. So there's that. I wanted to mention that. The other thing is, uh, I when 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 David Letterman retired, some of you know I talked about David Letterman quite a lot. I talked to people about David Letterman on the show, and it was, it was cool. I have not really made because I've been so busy. Really, I haven't made too much mention of the fact that John Stewart is leaving The Daily Show. And as much as I love Dave, and he changed my life a little bit, I could say the same for John Stewart. That show, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, is unbelievable. 
I, there's really nothing else like it. Um, and he's leaving. And he's leaving this week. I can't even do anything on the show because I'm away. And I've planned some things, and they're good episodes. But I wish I could have spoken to some people about Jon Stewart. Because he is uh, that what he did with that show is remarkable, and he'll be missed. I watch it uh, online every day. And, uh, yeah, it's a drag. It's a drag. So, Jon Stewart, thank you for doing what you did. And we're losing so many great uh, people on TV um, that have been doing stuff a long time. It's too bad. It's too bad. Okay, on to brighter news. Bill Gould, Billy Gould of Faith No More is on the program to talk about their new record, Soul Invictus, and where they came from, where they went, where they're going, uh, the creative process, lots of stuff. We talk about um, uh, the way people consume music these days. I I thought it was a nice uh, conversation. You're going to hear a couple new songs by Faith No More on this record, uh, on this episode, rather, and I can hear my daughter crying, so uh, I don't know if you can hear that through the speaker thing but that's my cue this is myself and Billy Gould of Faith No More This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Mr. Holmes, The Overnight, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and more. And at the E-Bar, Dazzling Dames Burlesque takes the stage on Saturday, August 8th. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. musician, songwriter, and producer who originally hails from the state of California. Throughout his life, Gould has played in bands like Brujeria, Jello Biafra, and the Guantanamo School of Medicine, Fear and the Nervous System, and more, and he also started his own label, Cool Arrow Records. But Gould's most impactful work to date is in the band Faith No More, an idiosyncratic and challenging subversive rock band he co-founded in 1981. After an 11-year hiatus, Faith and More reunited in 2009 and have toured the world sporadically ever since. This past May, the band released Soul Invictus, their first new album since 1997, and the first on their own imprint, Reclamation Records. 
They continue to tour over the next few months, including Canadian stops in Toronto and Montreal in August. And here to discuss some of these things is Faith No More songwriter, bassist, and founder, Billy Gould. Uh, hi, Bill. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Now, where in the world are you, Bill? I'm in San Francisco for three more days before we head off to uh, Austin. Is that, where you, is, that, is that what you call home, San Francisco? It is. It is. And, and what's it like living in San Francisco? Is it a nice place? Uh, it's a nice place when the sun comes out three times a year. <laughs> uh, other than that, it is. It's changed a lot. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a big tech industry here that's kind of, you know, put a big impact on the culture. You know, not always positively, but, um, but it's still a cool city. I just finished reading the uh, thirty-three and the third book about the first Dead Kennedys album. Have you? Right. Have you? Have you read? No. That? It's very. Fast. I haven't. It's written by someone with who's an activist, and it's written from an activist perspective about what was going on when that band was making fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. Very I had, interesting. I had no idea the Harvey Milk thing, every like the, the assassinations oh, and. This city was out of control back then, and I I actually moved up here. That was probably around seventy-nine. I yeah. would say. Yeah. I moved up in 81, so that was about two years after that, and this city was pretty much up for grabs around that time, at least where we lived. I mean, it was it was a definitely a different place than it is now. Hmm. It's, is, is it better now? It's safer, probably. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there are more opportunities, I think. It's more expensive. Uh, I wouldn't say it's exactly better. It's just different. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And you can't wait to get out of there and head to Austin. Well, yeah, I, it's been a long time. I mean, I don't think I've been to Austin in 20 years. It'll be great. Oh, nice. So you're, you're, is, this is the band's playing a, a big show, some kind of show? Um, yeah, we're, we're playing. Yeah, I mean, we're doing a tour. I, I can't tell you the name of the venue right off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. uh, it's in Austin, downtown Austin. And it's, yeah, it's going to be a show. Last time we played there, I think it was 97. Yeah, this brings me to essentially my first question. How active has Faith No More been since reuniting in 2009? Um. Well, it's kind of weird to think that that's already six years away uh, from from now, but uh, pretty active. I think what we've done is we were doing tours every three or four months, uh, so it wasn't like how we used to do it, where we'd go on a you know tour that could be as long as a year, a single tour. Now you know we were doing we were doing like kind of three week blocks, but a couple times a year at least, and. Uh, you know, in our for us that was pretty active. Uh, yeah. Only in the fact that it was it was kind of a civilized amount of time where we wouldn't burn out and we still kind of enjoyed it and it kept us wanting to to do it. Right. Now I understand that it took some doing to get the band back together. What was it exactly that prompted you to get back together in two thousand nine? Uh well, I mean, this is a this is a band of distinctly different individuals, and I think that everybody has different reasons to do everything. So I, I, it's really hard for me to generalize, but uh, I think it probably, you know, if I could put it in a, a way to, to, to sum it up, maybe you would say, why not? Everybody kind of thought, well, what is there to lose? And, you know, we had spent a lot of our lives together and we do know each other really well, personally and musically, where, you know, it's kind of hard to talk to people when you've had so much experiences with somebody, to talk to somebody else about it, and they don't quite understand. And I think we really do understand each other on a certain level. That uh, it, it was kind of nice just to kind of be working together again. So this is musical chemistry, but also personal dynamics. You guys just yeah, I think I think it's both. Yeah, you're a family essentially. Yeah, for better or worse. Yeah, <laughs> isn't <laughs> with it, all the good and bad that comes with it? Yeah. Isn't every family like that? It's not just definitely. I, I think it's the definition of a family, really. <laughs> 
Uh, at the time, 2009, reunion culture was really in full swing. Some bands like the Jesus Lizard came back, and I thought maybe they were better than when they left the last time I saw them. How much internal pressure did you feel in getting Faith No More back out there? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, before we did it, I mean, mentally speaking, you know, people, with the band being absent, I think people get a lot of ideas in their heads on what this band actually was all about. And they, they create a lot of expectations that, you know, somehow we're supposed to live with. And, you know, dealing with that, and just because the music is so physical, being able to rise up and actually do it justice, I think was a bit of a, that was a concern of mine. But once we started playing, I mean, we were, like Jesus said, we were better. I mean, we played better. They were better shows. It was really actually much more painless than I would have expected. Did you experience a thing that I don't want to put words in their mouths, but having seen yeah. having seen the Jesus Lizard towards the end of their original run and mm-hmm. seeing them play at a smaller crowd, smaller venues, did you feel like Faith No More was petering out when you stopped, or did you stop because of internal issues? Uh, for me, I don't think we were petering out. I think I think actually we'd probably hit hit a trough about six months to a year earlier, and we were actually things were starting to build up. I think. It, we just became very burned out with each other. It was an interpersonal breakdown. I suppose so. I think the, 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 this band had taken up so much of everybody's energy for so many years. I think people kind of needed to do things on their own. Speaking of which, what did you do? I, I mentioned some credits in my introduction uh, a few minutes ago. But what were you up to uh, in between uh, the band sort of ceasing and, and re- reuniting? Well, the first thing I did when we split up was started a record label um, because I wanted to work with musicians and music. Uh, and I just didn't want to go through this whole thing of like trying to get a band back together again if it wasn't a natural thing. So I did that, learned a lot about a different part of the business that I probably wasn't that familiar with. And um, did that. I'm still doing that, actually. So that's been about 15 years um, and worked with really cool bands, international bands, bands from uh, Bosnia, bands from uh, Russia, bands from South America. Great, great experience. Okay. Um, produced a ton of b- bands during that time as well. And are you then the the force behind uh, Reclamation Records? I'm not, no. Uh, I mean, I, I know how the system works, uh, but I think the Reclamation was something that I think the five of us had to do together, where we were all equals in it. Right, because Mike Patton had also gone off to start his own label or label. Correct. Yeah, that's right. So something, and then within the record, there's songs like "Motherfucker" that seem to be about <laughs> the kind of label system. Maybe I mean that's been one interpretation, anyway. Yeah, um, a little bit. I mean, we we were always a little bit of an oddball band, and I think that you know, I think it would be a, it was probably back in the '90s and in 2000s a challenge for anybody to really market us Mm -hmm. but uh one thing about uh, doing this ourselves is we we definitely we we kind of control the pace in which we work and we kind of decide what's appropriate and what's not and and that's kind of the point i think back then i think we we just kind of take we had to take what was given to us yeah you mentioned that faith no more was something of an oddball band they were always pretty difficult to categorize back in the day but i find that there's a sense of, that music consumption habits have really evolved since the 90s. Um, they're always evolving, of course. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not mm-hmm. just mediums, but it feels like the general public is more open to challenging music. 
Um, do you think that's true from your vantage point? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if we came out doing this kind of stuff now. People would get it any more now than they would have 20 years ago. I'm really not sure. There's a sense I think the genres have melted down, though. This idea that like you could go, this plurality. People are really, it's really like kind of cooler. Remember, I don't know what your, what your upbringing was like, but there used to be kind of camps, right? You, you'd be like, yeah. I, I like rock or I like rap or I like jazz. Right. And, and there's this sense that that, is, that orthodoxy is gone. Uh, people, See, you know, it's funny. I get, I get the opposite. I actually think it's more stratified and more rigid than it was back then. Interesting. Um, you know, it, 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 I mean, I'm just looking at my record collection that I had when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. I had reggae and dub and soul and punk and, and, and metal stuff. And now I, I feel like just the, the way music is marketed, it's so niche based and it's so concentrated on certain certain categories that uh it's the only way to move product and i think i think i get the feeling people kind of are more more limited actually in their tastes i can be totally wrong but that's the (laughs) feeling i get you've been out and about and played some music festivals and since uh 2009 i assume right some bigger festivals okay you're right this is a good point actually you're making a very good point uh Yes, in festivals, there's a wide variety of different music all at the same festival. That's and true. There seems to be, uh, yeah, it seems to, and, and people seem to feel comfortable roaming from stages. I mean, I'm not trying to point to, I think European music festivals have had North American festivals beat on this for a long time, this idea of creating yeah. multi-genre. Yes. You would have done those too, right, in, in the 90s probably? Absolutely. You know, yeah, and actually those are the most fun places to play, I mean, in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, no, the, you, you make a really good point. That's really true. <laughs> you know, what, what is weird though, is that, that, but then, you know, to take that a step farther, you know, if we're playing on a stage in one of these festivals where it's, um, you know, uh, killing joke is playing or, uh, you know, and then, um, Katy Perry is playing and then, you know, we're playing, uh, I've noticed that sometimes the audience can look at all three bands and think they're all the same thing. Yeah. Like, that's... And that's a kind of a strange thing too. Right, so that's that's something about an aesthetic. Something's happening. I think you're right there. Now I think you're right. How about that, Bill? I was okay, right. All right. Now I think you're right. I feel like you're right. <laughs> there is this stratification because people are viewing all music as just one it's thing. It's just entertainment. Yeah, yes. One yes. thing. Whereas it used to be if you were invested in a particular thing, you thought that was the best thing in the world and you would champion it. Now it's a glob. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. It, 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 entertainment has a different value, I think, to people maybe than it did then. Yeah. But it's hard to say. I mean, I'm really speculating. I mean, our shows, we still have our crowd and people that know our music from 20 years ago, and they want to hear our songs. So we're, we're really fortunate there. But, you know, I would I just think about if we were a band starting now, I don't know if we could, you know, cultivate that or not. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It is. That, that's true. I mean, you, you have a certain legendary status. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but you're... No, no. <laughs> well, at least it's established, right? Yeah, we have like... a certain thing. We, we've planted our stake in the ground and people know what we are. Yeah. Have you been surprised by the reaction by fans or critics to this most recent spate of activity? Uh, pleasantly surprised. I mean, it's the first time we've ever put out a record, really, where people kind of, I've seen like, especially with press, got it right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our records, even the ones that did, even the real thing, which did really well, took a year to kind of get over the net. And uh, it's always been like nobody got it when they first heard it, and it kind of grew on people. And right out of the can, this thing was was taken very positively, and that that was different for us. From what I understand, you were the primary, or one of, well, yeah, I don't want to. Again, you may you can you might deflect this, but my understanding yeah. is that you were the primary catalyst for 
a lot of these songs. Is that right? If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. I would say I probably was, yeah. Now, what does that yeah. consist of? What did you do exactly? You, you wrote all the parts and brought them to everyone, or how did that work? Uh, I wrote a lot of it. I'm always been, I've always been kind of a primary songwriter in the group. Um, but um, Is that lyrically you as know, well? No, it's all this. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it, I, I kind of took on the production role as well, so it's kind of like, you know, sometimes it's like cheerleading as far as getting people excited, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that, just kind of getting people to focus on, you know, potentially what we can do. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, I just, every step of this, this process, I mean, we all worked and we all collaborated at, in a certain extent, but I was there for every step of that, those collaborations. Cause I was kind of the constant in it. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of how I contributed. Are you guys sort of geographically separated at the moment? Uh, yeah. Uh, Mike Patton lives like. A mile away from me, which is like definitely too far to walk on a normal <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> are you all centralized uh, in the same area? For an old, for a fifty-two-year-old man, uh, no, yeah, we are. Uh, let's see, the my, uh, drummer, singer, and I, myself all live within about five miles from each other. Okay. Uh, Roddy moved to New York, um, and John actually lives in Oakland, so we're all pretty close. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't as much file sharing over the internet to get songs. No, out. not really, not really. Okay. Uh, Roddy in New York, but he came out for like ten days and. We just, you know, we spent a solid 10 days uh, just working on stuff. Okay. Does the record, as, as the primary songwriter, does the record reflect anything in particular going on in the world or in your life or, or the lives of the band? Probably. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of it is, a lot of it is if, it's sub, if it feels good on a subconscious level, you know, I've always noticed it always takes a while for the, the, the conscious mind to kind of figure out what it was that I was gravitating towards and it usually was something but uh i'm not i'm not really being retrospective about it yet i'm still kind of feeling it as a living thing yeah it's only been out a couple months a few months now yeah i I hear that yeah it does seem like you've tapped into a certain amount of anger um well yeah anger yeah but also you know what it is it's it's what i don't hear when i hear music there's so many things that i'm not hearing that are not getting me excited and I'm trying to create the thing that, that can excite me that I'm not getting anywhere else. So sometimes it's anger because I think sometimes, you know, lately I think the trend in music has been to be a little poppy and happy. And, and I'm not seeing any of the darkness that I, that I miss in a way that, that kind of gives me a sense of reality. Uh, it seems more balanced. And also just there's just certain ways of writing songs and, and attacking songwriting that, uh, you know, I, I find kind of fascinating, but I'm just not. 
I can't tell, think of anybody else who's doing it, so I kind of want to do it. But it's not darkness for the sake of darkness, is it? No, not really. It's it's darkness because, well, darkness to me and reality are kind of close closely linked. I mean, I think that, well, I'm living in San Francisco, and it's a very tech-friendly place. And, and there's a tendency with the way things are marketed and sold to people that there's this like kind of happy future we're living in where everything's really sugar-coated and, and, and actually – Having lived in the city for 30 years, you know, I've also seen how people have been displaced, how businesses are going down, and, and that's the kind of thing nobody wants to talk about. And that is a dark thing that's happening yeah. in this very shiny city. And, and it's the same with music. I think that, you know, there's a lot of things about people and people's experience and living in, you know, 2015 that, that's not all completely pretty. And, and, you know, I want to connect to that. You seem to obviously have a drive to express yourself, express certain perspectives. Do you recall what, what actually first got you into music and, and and any kind of artistic expression when you were, you know, tiny Bill Gould? You know the first record I ever heard that was my dad's that made the biggest influence on me uh, was uh, John Lennon Plastic Ono Band. Man. And that was a heavy record. If you think about it, I was probably, what, seven years old? And it's like, okay, God was one of the songs, Working Class Hero. Mother. I found mother. out. Mother. The mother. The very exactly. first song is Mother. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm a kid. So this is my experience to music. You know, it's all kind of like if it doesn't have, if it doesn't, if it isn't hyper raw and hyper real, it, it's, it's falls short. This is something, you, how old were you when you heard the, when you heard the plastic on? Well, let's see that. When did that come out? Probably 1972, maybe? 70, I think. Yeah. 70 okay so 70 i was seven years old seven years old and you're hearing that yeah yeah i listen to it all the time i get i mean not only did i hear it i played it over and over for days and days and days i mean that was my record that's interesting that earlier you were talking about how people are putting such a pop sheen on things i mean arguably that record is very raw but it's john still has this really had this really innate sense of melody so he's absolutely he's creating these really heavy heavy songs but they're catchy absolutely i i totally love that about it and and that do you feel like that informs your approach to writing as well it is i actually i mean i guess so i mean i've I've never thought about it but yeah there's something about listening to his stuff that makes you feel good even though it's not completely good stuff uh and being able to do both i think is really a, a fantastic thing to do yeah i mean i don't i didn't set out to compare you to john lennon on the show no no and i don't i would never want to be compared to that but I, just as far as an approach and kind of maybe you know if you're cooking with spices you know his approach to cooking i i really i admire yeah no he he was good i think most people would agree he was he was pretty good okay no that that actually makes a lot of sense com- in terms of what faith no more have gotten up to you've worked with many other musicians and you've had other interesting collaborations and we've touched upon this already, that it's a family dynamic. But what to you is special or unique about Faith No More? What did you miss about it when it wasn't happening? Uh, well, I think we're really different people that come from really different experiences. But we do share some things in common uh, with amongst ourselves that we don't share with anybody else. And somehow... It's kind of like, um, you know, the potato truck, you know, like dump the potatoes. And we were like five potatoes that ended up together that actually are kind of suited for each other. And in, 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 I don't know how it happened, but we we ended up together. And, and 
there's just something about that and what we do we're together and the humor that we put into it that we all kind of share and that, that I think is really unique. Is this potato truck analogy something common where you're from? I've never heard this before. Well, no, it's a really poor analogy that I've just never heard anyone say. Top of my you know, head. It's like a potato truck falling over, and we just <laughs> well, yeah, we're fine. Potatoes. <laughs> okay, there's there's a there was a bar around the corner from my house um, that was a uh, it wasn't the hippest bar in the world, and the way it was described was was um, it's kind of like when a truck was driving and it hits a speed bump uh-huh. and people fall off the uh, out of the truck from the speed bump. The people that go to that bar were the people that fell off the, the truck of life. They got hit a speed bump and they ended up there <laughs> while the truck is going. And we're kind of, I kind of feel like ourselves as people are kind of like that too. Like if it's a potato truck, we kind of fell off the truck and we we're the ones that, that didn't quite go along with everybody else. Do you believe then in fate? Um, I guess I could if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> if I was that interested in it, probably. <laughs> well, it sounds like what you're touching upon is fate. Like you just you don't know why this. Fits. Well, yeah, it's fate or randomness. I mean, you know, who knows if you know, who knows when you throw some M and M's on the ground, what colors are going to be? You know, if they could all be red, then you know it's it's coincidence too, right? But you feel like this is a this is clearly a special convention of dudes. It, it's a yes. It's a it's a chemistry. It's a very definite chemistry that happened to do with this collection of guys for sure. And you've obviously the the tension. Any tension has long subsided. You guys are a, a functional working unit. Everything's going well. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's total. There's always tension. Are is, you kidding? Is it, is it still weird? Uh, it's not weird. It's just that we we communicate better. I mean, it's we're the same people. We're doing. We have the same chemistry. I mean. There's good, it's good and it's bad, and, and, and it's just a matter of how we handle it. And we are much better at handling it than before. We, we, we communicate much better. Okay, no, that's, that's fair. That, that's, that's good to hear as well. And that, does, and that doesn't mean we don't like each other. We do like each other, but, you know, it's, we are different people. Were you ever concerned that Faith No More was becoming like a business band? You know, like this is just a business we started and we have to when get I, to when, when I was feeling lucky. <laughs> <laughs> when the money was rolling in. Yeah, yeah. If there was a potential of that, I would take it. Was it? Um, did it ever feel obligatory? Like, I, I guess we got to go well, do this thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I suppose so, because, you know, we were on a major system back back in the day. Mm-hmm. And the way to survive for music like ours was just to tour and tour and tour and tour. And that was how we paid our rent. So yeah, that was a, that was a business in a way. Um, but uh, not a hundred percent. It's, it's, it, that's a very complex thing. I could probably talk about it for about 20 minutes. Right. Really. Right. And we don't have that much time. Okay. Not I, really. I hear you. I just was curious. Cause you know, I think part of the re, re, reunion or as David Yao called it with the Jesus lizard, I believe he called it a, what was it? A re, it wasn't, Oh, he had a better name for it. Damn it. I can't remember what it is right now. Anyway, this mm-hmm. this puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? This puts when you get back together as you did six years ago, it really the important stuff about the entity really comes to the surface, uh, and all the yes. all the kind of crappy stuff just floats away. Yes, but and and also, I mean, the people this time really wanted to hear our music. <laughs> It was it was a lot. It's it just people knew the songs, even our weird songs they knew and they liked. And, and it's just a different experience playing when, when you're not always struggling to win, win every time. Yeah. And you can just actually sit back and enjoy it. And we could actually appreciate our own music a lot better, too. Nice. All right. Well, what's you've made this record. And I know we talked about the fact that you're still processing it. But what 
Do you yeah. have a next move? What's the next beyond touring? What, what's going on with Faith No More? Uh, I'm just in touring mode right now. This to me, touring with this music is is like boxing. It's kind of like very physical and very focus based. And and I just I've tried to write on the road. I've tried to be thinking creatively, and I just can't do it. It just doesn't work for me. I don't multitask that way. So how many bro- right now we're touring we're touring till October, and we're gonna see where we're gonna go from there. Okay, so you're not. Have you learned from your past experience not to predict the future with this band, or? Well, yeah. Well, more than that, not to commit to too much. Not to, you know, in the beginning, you know, you take. We used to take every opportunity that came our way, and then we had to, you know, go through the process of a years of playing through all those commitments. Yeah. And now, you know, we, we're kind of taking it. We do these tours that are like three weeks to a month at a time, and you know, we complete them, and then we see we check in with each other and see where we want to go from there. And I just think it's a lot more sane to work this way. You sound like a very happy family, if I might say. I think we're, well, you know, we're we're figuring some things out anyway, definitely. (laughs) And and the shows have been fantastic. Everybody's really focused. And so whatever it is we're doing, it's making it a better, a better band for sure. I heard firsthand raves about the uh, uh, Toronto show you guys just played. Uh, that was an awesome show. I heard that it was particularly awesome. So it, it was. Yeah, and you're coming back. I want to tell people once again, the first Faith No More LP in 18 years is Soul Invictus. It's out now via Reclamation Records, and the band is on tour, including Canadian stops at the Ryko Coliseum in Toronto on August 7th and at Heavy Montreal on August 8th. Are you doing a bunch of dates with Refused? We are. Uh, uh, we're going from, yeah, the whole East Coast and up in Toronto and uh, is with Refused. And how did in Montreal that, is that just some kind of back back deal back door like agent same agent or something or do you like that um band? well no we, we did we liked them and also we knew we were playing with them at a couple shows already like at this festival in uh, Montreal and uh, they we know they have a new record out and we just want to see what they were doing yeah uh, and it just seemed to make sense they they were they had free time the same time we were booking our tour oh, okay. it just it, was, it seemed like a great thing to do. I've met them before. They're really cool guys. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's just seems like a nutty, amazing pill that yeah. is going on. So, uh, for more information, people can go to fnm dot com. Uh, uh, Bill, is there a song from the new record that uh, we can go out on now? Uh, sure. What's what's your format like? What kind of stuff do you play? Anything. Well, it's anything. It's it's anything, it's, huh? Guest choice. Uh, do 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 separation anxiety. Okay. Why did that come to mind? Uh, just I like it right now. <laughs> is it going particularly well live and all that it's, kind of thing? Yeah, it uh, it is, and uh, it's just it's feeling yeah it's feeling good to me right now. I'm enjoying it. Okay. So all right, that's fair. This is separation anxiety by Faith. The more Bill Gould, thanks for the time and best of luck going forward. <laughs> okay, sure.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.